Welcome everybody to, it's done, I've got it on man, thanks though, I get interruptions. Okay, <laughs> welcome everybody to Sweet Talk, um, thanks for joining us, uh, this, is, uh, this is part of a, an initiative we're trying here, my name is Gary Salazar, I'm the Director for Continuing Education and Workforce Training, and we're going to be talking today with, today with uh, Drew Aslett with some very interesting uh, history from a local band here in Pocatello. Uh, joining us uh, in this in this very unusual format, which is conversational, and we take it wherever it goes. Uh, Drew and I will be talking about uh, the history of that band, a little bit of music here, and uh, and seeing what happens. At the end of 20 minutes, however, wherever we are in the conversation, we're just going to pull the chocks, and that's it. So um, listen to us. If you see something that's interesting, hear something that you like, uh, check back and and hear what's going on. And also, just a heads up, at the end of this thing, we'll have a, a little bit of a tickler coming up, and I'll tell you about it when we get there. Our 20 minutes, by the way, it started when I said hi. So, hi, Drew. Welcome to Sweet Talk. Glad to have you here. Well, thanks, Gary. Appreciate you joining us. Maybe you can start by doing something you've done thousands of times. Tell us a little <laughs> bit of, uh, about yourself. Well, I'm, uh, I guess I moved to Pocatello in 1965, so I grew up here a good part of my life. And my, the band I'm in now, two of us, began playing music in 1973 together. So, uh, and still are doing it today. Okay, so, so your band is really called Snake Bones. Did I say Snake Bite earlier? No, I didn't. Bite. It's Snake <laughs> Bones. I think that is a band, actually. We have your permission to say that. Yeah, okay, your, bones, your band is named Snake, Snake Bones, Bones which great. is a really cool name. I like that a lot. And you started this uh, a number of years ago. You said there was two of you. Yeah. So the me and the original member, we had a. What happened was my in high school and junior high, uh, one of my friends in band. I played trumpet. He played clarinet. We figured out each other like to play guitar, so we started hanging out, started playing together, and then another friend of ours uh, wanted to play drums, so he saved up his money for moving pipe and bought a set of drums. We big borrowed and steal the money for amplifiers and guitars, and you know, any anything we tried to look like Led Zeppelin and sound like Led Zeppelin and you know be Led Zeppelin, but of course we were some chubby boys. But but uh, we it, and then what happened was the drummer's brother, he was two years younger than us, so we, you know, he's beneath our our level of observation. We didn't, and he, I went over to my buddy's house one day, my the drummers, and he's. Brothers out on the front porch just playing guitar, playing Jethro Tull on guitar, and I thought, wow. So we we were going to play a gig live in Pocatello, our very first gig. So the little brother comes to the gig, and we play, and of course we're singing through our mic or our amplifiers. We only have a PA system, but the little brother comes, and we finish the gig, and I said, well, what do you think? And he said. I think I need to join your band, he says, <laughs> and play bass. So he that's the guy I'm with to this day still. He uh, joined the band, and uh, so we started playing music and eventually went on to the West Coast, and Bill Graham's guy heard us and had a show that we weren't, we were, what, they, what had happened, we were in uh, Katati, California, at a place called the Inn of the Beginning, and I later found out Santana, Neil Young, 
Janis Joplin, Jerry Garcia, everybody had played in this club. But I, of course, I didn't know what, I'm from Pocatello, I don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> they had two bands playing, and a uh, guy got us a set right between the two bands. First band comes out, plays, everybody, you know, that's nice, yeah. that's good, you know. We got out there and we're playing all original music, and we just, I don't know what happened, but when we finished, the, the crowd started rioting and they were screaming and yelling and pounding on the tables and we were going out the doors and they were ripping my clothes or grabbing at me and I just like, it's like the craziest thing I'd ever saw. So in that year I was 21, so I was just old enough to get into a bar. <laughs> Keith was 19, so he was underage. He shouldn't even have been there. <laughs> so uh, what it actually happened before that was our manager had went into the bar, found out Bill Graham's guy was there. He approached him and said, I'm so-and-so from this band, and acted real like a big shot. Well, this guy's Bill Graham's guy, and Bill Graham's the biggest promoter in the nation. So he kind of blew our manager off. So the sh we get out, we play, the crowd goes crazy. He sees that, goes right over to the manager and says, I'm interested in your band. And the manager says, F you, we're history. <laughs> Turns around and walks away. No. So now I don't know this has all happened. I'm, I'm out in the parking lot at this point, right? Trying to put but, your clothes back together. Trying, yeah, trying to get, you know, we were just loud. We were giddy. We didn't know what just had to happen. But, so we got, I got home and the, the disc jockey that got us the slot came up and said, I got to tell you what happened. And he, so he tells me the story of what the manager did. And I was just devastated. I said, I can't believe that, you know? Well, it wasn't about a month later, phone rings and it's the Bill Graham guy. And he says, uh, Hardin, Kansas is opening in Santa Rosa and we want you guys to, to be the opening act for oh, it. Oh, how cool. So our big break, here we are just kids from Pocatello, sleeping in a van in the driveway of a friend's, uh, the cousin of the manager. I mean, we, we, didn't, have, we didn't have bedrooms to stay in. <laughs> and here all this happens, but, Anyway, that, it, that, was, that was a long time ago, but. <laughs> what a cool start <laughs> well, to something. It was, one of, it was one of those odd things that happened in life, but you know, you, you couldn't have, it was like a movie, you couldn't, you couldn't have wrote it better than that. Just, like I said, we, we were just stunned. We had played in Pocatello. We had a good following here. We played good music and people, you know, they cheer and yell and stuff, but. Yeah, it was like the Beatles. We were the Beatles for 15 seconds, I guess. It was our 15 seconds of fame. But, oh. <laughs> but this was in, in what, Northern California Northern was the name California, of the town? California, we were living in Santa Rosa. In Santa Rosa, okay. So Katati is where they filmed American Graffiti. Okay. And so it's this old little town and they told us we're playing in this little place called the Inn of the Beginning. And I was like, I never, never heard of it. You know, it's nothing to me. I just, and I thought we were just gonna go play a set and that was it, you know, just like a hundred other shows, but just because of the way it worked out, I think it was because it was all original music. Mm -hmm. So people had never, and in the club like that, that's what they came to hear. They, okay. Santana played in there. I mean, they were used to high quality, original, good music. And the other bands that played, they were good bands. I'm not putting them down or anything, but you know, we were just hungry young kids and just brash enough to pull it off, I guess. How cool is that? Now, there was how, many, cool. how many were you then? There was four, four pieces. Four of you then. Yeah, yeah. And, and you were playing trumpet or you went to guitars? No, I had gone to guitars. Gone to guitars, okay. Then, I started playing guitar in 69, so I was playing trumpet and guitar, but I didn't have anybody to play guitar with, you know, and, and you couldn't get lessons. It, nobody knew about <laughs> pentatonic scales or anything. We just put on an album and just tried to figure out 
how to play Whole Lot of Love or whatever it was, just get a riff off Jimmy Page and try to pull it off yourself. But oh, man. There, was, there were no books or classes or teachers, really. So everybody just kind of, you know, we were so poor. We, we, we had to switch guitar strings, and if you broke the one string you didn't have, you had to take the next string to it. Tighten it up or loosen it to, you know, you couldn't even afford a guitar string. So you had you no know, money. There was nothing, you know. Those were the good old days. Those were, boy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that was hard times in a way. Well, but. you've come a, a, a quite a ways since then. I, I mean, I the only experience I got that even relates to that was in Los Gatos. There was a bar called Mountain Charlie's. It, it was a uh, it was a mountain bar kind of a thing, and and we were living in Southern California, or I was there on training doing Southern California. Or, or Northern California, there is uh, south of the bay, and we went across, and it was great music, but it was like pickup music. You know, they didn't have a, a set band; people just sure. come in and play. Sure. And everybody there, I remember, they're doing this uh, this thing when they liked it. Yeah. The beer bottles were going up and down because it got raucous, and it was beautiful though. What a great experience. Well, well, you know, the crowds back then, like what we played for, they would have been the Woodstock generation. Yeah. So they they knew what good music was. They listened to music. They came in to hear music. A lot of times, people now they don't really listen to the music. You know, they're they're on the phone. They're they're doing. They got other issues. They're thinking about whatever. Sure. And they just don't. That crowd wasn't like that. You know, they they were true. Uh, they were serious into music. Oh, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. And you and you had to be. You had to bring it. Yeah. I think we did so well at that gig because we didn't have jobs and we were in the garage of that house, playing all day long. So six, seven hours a day, we played the music. So when we went out there, I think that's what, you know, that showed. And you were making original music then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You were doing that together. From the very first year we got together, we, we had originals. And then we played Led Zeppelin and we played Bad Company or the Eagles or whatever. You, to get a gig, you, they wouldn't hire an original band. You had to do... You know, Tequila Sunrise mm -hmm. or whatever the songs they wanted right. to hear. So we learned those. We played those, but then we always threw, you know, Tall and Zeppelin and yeah. Tommy Bolin. We were, you know, we were always throwing other music that people probably never heard on the radio, but that was still good music. Yeah. Still yeah. is good music. How cool is that, man? That's awesome. All right. So, so there you are starting out. 21, 18, illegal in a bar, Chubbuck boys, you know, getting some, getting some Beatle action. You're moving on, uh, and, and what's the direction for the band then as you went past that? Where did you go after that? Well, uh, the economy was terrible, of course, back then, and the guitar player had to get a job in Sun Valley. So he moved up to Sun Valley, and we thought, well, let's just move up to Sun Valley. So up to Ketchum. So mm -hmm. we all packed our stuff up, moved up to Ketchum, and then it was just hardly any work. You know, it was this, it was even worse there. And of course, we're in a tourist town, so mm -hmm. you're making five dollars an hour, and rich people around you—that's even tougher. Should have stayed in Chubbuck. That would have been an easier. <laughs> but you know, you do what you do. And so eventually, uh, the guitar player that we followed up there came back. We stayed up there, went three piece, started playing in Twin Falls, and then eventually, I think I just got, I got hungry. Mm -hmm. Just, it's just tough making it there. So I moved back to Pocatello. The guitar player that I'm with now, he stayed there for years and lived up there. And then I got together again with the guy, the original guitar player, the other guitar player in the '80s, and we played in the National a little bit, first National. And in college, I was going to school at MassCom here, and he was an anthropologist. So we got back together and started jamming again. Kind of started the whole thing back up again. And then now it's kind of. It's, I always look at the Beatles' history, and 
you know, how they were best buds, and then they get to this point, and then that point, and now, they, you know, Lennon and McCartney went and talked to each other. Mm -hmm. so, and, it, and, you know, that's a metaphor for a lot of bands. It, it's, it's not easy being in a band oh. year after year after year after year, and there's personalities, and there's who wrote what, and there's a lot of that going on. So it's, you know, bands are difficult to keep together. That's one of the biggest challenges then is, Absolutely. is keep, keep staying with it. So now really me and Keith Vor, the, the, the little brother of the drummer, we, we always now for the last uh, 15 years, Snake Bones, we've, we're the two guys that always, you know, the drummer quits and the next drummer comes and the bass player quits and the next bass player. So we've been going through that, but we're always there every weekend practicing. Where do you practice at? I have a studio in the basement of my house. In the basement, huh? Yeah, just just ask my wife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's hung together for a while, so you're doing something right there. Yeah, and we do have our lineup now is just a fantastic musicians. A drummer, he's from San Francisco, really good drummer. We're real happy with him, and then the bass player is 21 years old. So we're at the age of his grandfather. Yeah. So they call me Grandpa Drew, Grandpa Keith, you know, but the kid can play, just amazing players. So. That's cool, that's cool that you're finding new talent yeah. too. You know, somebody else is getting a bit of a chance here to come play with some, some folks who really got a, a wealth of experience, a lot of history there, uh, a, a lot of fine tuning too. I mean, the music, the music evolves as you get uh, further down the road with that too. I mean, it does it change for you? Do you find yourself with a, a different sound than when you started? Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think we, now we, we can take our time. I have a recording studio and we can go in and work six months on a song and bring people in, you know, whatever needs to be done. We just had a harmonica player play on one, one of the tracks I gave you guys. And, uh, just throw little arpeggios and stuff in the song, so to give it that you know that finishing touch. So, yeah, and now I would say um, the songs are longer, but I think I'm a better songwriter than I was. And obviously, when you're you're a kid, you're just you write any you just write you know girls and partying and rock and roll and smoking and you know just the, the, you know basic thoughts like that. And now it's more about uh, you know, stories about people and, yeah, you yeah. know, gunfighters or truck drivers or, you know, bikers, or I, I like to write about, you know, people. Some are, some of it's uh, fictional and some of it's based on real people too. So I kind of mix it up. That's neat. Are you, are you the only one creating that originality or are the others bringing some in? I write all the lyrics and I generally write basically the basic structure of the song. And then Keith is He's just an amazing player. He's just he, he can take his basic rhythm and just embellish it to a point where you just can't even believe it. Really good lead guitar player too. He's, he's got it all and a great singer. He sang in the original band, so but we we split the vocals about 50/50. Cool. But but yeah, cool. I, I, he wrote one song, the, all the lyrics in the song, and that was a great a great song too. It's a really good song. It's going to be on our new album, but. But uh, I, so I, I challenged him to do that, and that's why he did it. And then I, I think if you don't force him to, he, he can write, but he just, he just shows up for practice and plays. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so I just do it. That is neat. You know, sometimes, uh, who was I talking <clears throat> with? Uh, there was a sports psychologist, a doc, that I ran into in, in a previous life, and, and he was telling me about how he goes into organizations, and he works with, like, like baseball players, you know, professional skiers and all, and how they, uh, you know, they have to be on the road, and then they're always working together. And sometimes there's some angst 
uh, which can be creative or it can be it can be negative for the for the group. Uh, but he said to me, he goes, you know, this is being in part of that is as much of the business of what we do because you're always stretching, you're always learning new things. It's it's either working with people, uh, refining the craft or the skills they need. I imagine there's a lot of that that you that you've learned and 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 how to make a better sound, how to make a better band, how you yourself have evolved. Um, so, you know, kudos to you for being around and hanging in there like oh, that and thanks. still producing. That's awesome. Yeah, still. Just, When's the next album expected to come out? Well, it was supposed to be years ago. I've had it recorded for years. And it, the problem is, is to do the CD, you have to do a book. You have all the lyrics. You have to get everything registered with BMI. You have to put all the little can't copy. I mean, there's a thousand pieces of text that goes along with it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really a graphics person. So I have a graphic artist that comes in and does all that, but it's, cool. so I, you know, a couple hours, you might get something done, but, so that's been dragging on for a while, but the, the actual music is all recorded. Are you shooting for any kind of a date uh, in the future? I have, and I should have had it out two or three years ago, but it should be, shouldn't be much longer. And, we, and then we have the third and probably almost a fourth album too. I just have to put that all together, so it's. Just, ah, now you've played here locally, so you got a local a local fandom. There, there's some folks who like your music. So. We, we got a we got a chance to open up for Great White and Warrant mm -hmm. at, at the fairgrounds, and then uh, Firehouse and Slaughter again at the fairgrounds, and that was you know playing in front of. We had played in festivals, maybe a thousand people, but. That was 4,000 for Warren and Great White. So I had never heard the sound of 4,000 people reacting to what I just did. And it was, I, the, I'd always heard stories of this roar you hear, you know, uh -huh. and, but the energy, I had never felt that before. And I just, it was stunning. And of course the next act there, they play every other night, same cr big crowds all the time. So they, but uh, we did have a compliment from uh, Great White's guitar player we were backstage after the show, and my singer at that time, uh, Joel Robertson, went up to him and said, can I have your autograph? I'm, I was with Snake Bones, and he said, uh, Snake Bones? He goes, I want to tell you, I'm standing at the side, I kind of hear him. He said, I just loved your band. He said, I never listened to the opening act. He said, I listened to every song you guys played. Just went on and on, and boy, I was just beaming to the side, you know, because my grandmother and mother, you know, oh, you guys are great, you sound fantastic, but this guy doesn't know us from anybody. And he's Grammy-winning, you know, musician, so you, once in a while you get, a, you know, you get a little feedback that does make you feel like it's worth it, you know. That is cool, that, and that is cool. And, and, and some of the youngsters coming up, you know, uh, you know when you do that with them, um, I'm sure that, you know, it just carries it on, presses it forward, passes it backward. That's awesome. And, I, you know, we hear stories about that in just about every industry. It was cool to, to see that you're getting it and, and that you're still working with young people, you know, yeah, bring it, bringing folks up. If somebody wanted to reach out and contact you or something, learn more about what you're doing, talk uh, to you. We do have a website. Uh, it's www.snakebones.net. And we do have a video on YouTube called Old, Old Ghost Truckers. It's kind of a reggae country kind of song, but that's been on YouTube for a while. So, And I was supposed to be doing more videos, so I'm behind on everything, and I'm supposed to mow the lawn, and I you know, <laughs> wash off the driveway. There's like 50 things on my list, but I, I work for myself, so I'm, a lot of times I'm just so busy at work. Yeah, Paul. Hey, Drew, you've been doing this for a long time now. Uh, what, keeps, what drives you to keep making music? 
Well, you know, I did try to just give up and just say, I'm done with it, you know, it's too much work. And for whatever reason, it's uh, Jerry Seinfeld. So Jerry Seinfeld, he's a billionaire. Oh, geez, I'm sorry. He's a billionaire, I'm sorry, right? we're done. That's our time, that's our ticker going off. Can you guys hear that? The timer's done, Paul, I'm sorry, we can't get to that. He had a great I'm answer a coming in. He had a I had a Seinfeld, give me a break. <laughs> my hero. Oh my goodness. Now that's it, we're gonna have to stop it right there. Drew, our time is up. Okay. You know, um, we've been talking with Drew uh, uh, today, talking about uh, snake bones, music bands, uh, a, a lot of great history there. Um, it's been a real pleasure to have them on board. Uh, we hope anybody in our audience who's been listening today has seen this or listened to it in the podcast. Yeah, if you're interested, you want to reach out, take a, take a look at what he's got. Look out, uh, check out uh, YouTube, um, and see see what it sounds like because this is fascinating. Uh, thank you for joining us today on uh, on uh, on the podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, cetrain.isu.edu. Uh, we welcome your feedback. And for those of you who uh, heard me say this at the beginning, if you'll hang around a little bit, you'll get a chance to hear some uh, some of the tracks that uh, Drew brought us. And uh, I hope you enjoy that. Everybody, thank you for joining us, and thank you, Drew. Hey, bet, Gary. Oh
So Seinfeld, billionaire, uh -huh. right? He he does two weekends a month doing stand-up to uh -huh. this right now. He doesn't have to. He's not doing it for the money. Why is he doing it? And he said, because that's what I am. I'm a stand-up comedian. You know, so I kind of felt the same way. Whether I made a lot of money or I didn't make a lot of money, it is what I am. And, and you are who you are, and you, you know, you don't really have a choice. 